Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Notes from the Ivy League. I hope you had a great week. I'm your host, Andrew Williams. My guest today grew up in West New Haven. He was a Jackie Robinson scholar, studied sociology and education studies at Yale and graduated in 2016. And he is also a pretty fantastic singer. Abdul, welcome to Notes from the Ivy League. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be talking with you. Yeah, of course. So I know you a little bit from school. We were in different years, but can you share your personal story with me and your listeners? Yeah, of course. So I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, but I grew up all in West Haven, Connecticut for the majority of my life. And my family is of Ghanaian descent. So I'm the first generation in my family to be born in America. have a lot of cousins who are also the first generation in our family to be born here. So definitely a mix of having our first generation immigrant experience with the fact that my parents didn't get college degrees, particularly my mom didn't get a college degree. She kind of finished at what would be equivalent to late middle school or early high school when she was in Ghana, while my stepfather was able to get a degree from Southern Connecticut State University in computer science, but the degree didn't help him get any jobs and kind of forced him to stay in positions like driving taxis and working for cleaning services, just because of the issue of the age at which he got it. And the quality of degree and preparation for careers. So I didn't really have any clear understanding of what a college education or applying to college looks like and had to kind of learn all of that on my own with the support of them, but mostly learning that process on my own. You learned the process on your own. So where did you find the motivation or the interest to even want to go to college? I think a lot of it came from my mom kind of being just aspirational without an end point. So I think for her, her idea was but we have the situation. We don't have that much money. My mom worked as a school bus driver. And while she kind of liked her job and took the job to make sure she kept an eye on me while she was driving her bus, it was mostly because she didn't have the education to allow her to pursue other things she was interested in as a kid. So for me, she always emphasized, you can really go about doing anything as long as you feel like you're doing the thing you want to do and that you can support your family without doing a job that you're not enjoying. So I think for her, the end all, if there was a final point for me, was to be in a job or be in a life situation where we're not struggling and where I'm happy with the thing that I'm doing with my family or on my own. That kind of aspiration that she had for me was a large level of encouragement to just pursue education and pursue a lot of different activities without feeling like I had any limits on what I could go for. She didn't really, like she noticed at a young age that I was interested in writing. So she was happy that she had a kid that was good at writing. And I think if I wanted to go about being an author, she would be very happy with that too, as long as I was able to take care of myself and my family, or if I wanted to go on and be a visual artist or a musician or anything. But she she definitely cared about the fact that I just kind of do better, um, both financially and in terms of security than we were able to do. Obviously, your mom was a big influence on your life, but were there any other people growing mm-hmm. up that you could say were mentors or motivators? When I was much younger, I didn't find too many mentors because just the community I grew up in having a college degree wasn't that common either. And I didn't have many educators who were Black educators or from immigrant backgrounds. And so I had I had a lot of teachers that cared about me and made sure that I did well or hoped that mm-hmm. I did well, but nobody who could really speak to what it was like to be the first in their family to go to college or the first in their family to be in America in these kinds of situations. When I got to high school, though, my high school put some Black and Latinx students, um, Black and Latinx boys specifically, in this program called Developing Tomorrow's Professionals. And it was a 
mentorship program that happened for students during the summer where they would go and learn debate skills and they would learn etiquette skills and they would be given suits for the summer that they could keep and also learn about how to pursue maybe like leadership roles in their school and how to think about college and career plans. And that was the first time that I was with a group of boys and with an adult mentor who was either a college student or a college graduate who's telling us the steps through which you can go about getting ready for Mm -hmm. college. And it was the first time I heard that as a possibility. Otherwise, I was just kind of like in my head thinking, well, of course, I'm going to go to college. Of course, I'm going to do all these things. I don't really know the process, but it feels inevitable. Mm -hmm. But that was the first time that someone told me it might feel inevitable, but you actually have to do these active things to make sure you not only go to college, but go to a place that you're happy with. Exactly. I think for some of us who grew up first generation or low income, um, college is kind of assumed just because of what society tells us and we can do anything that we want to do. But with me growing up, I was really lacking that support and like guidance on, on the, the process. And you do interesting work right now with Leap. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So at Leap, I work as a grant writer, which is kind of my first step into the development world of nonprofits Um, while I was at school and kind of before that I did volunteer work and after school um, kind of teaching and tutoring but I never worked on the side that has to focus on program funding and the issue of kind of communicating the needs of your program to supporters so the work there is interesting to do because I come from the perspective of someone who would have benefited from the types of services that LEAP provides. Um, LEAP is an after school program for Black and Latinx students in the New Haven area so not directly the uh, city that I came from in West Haven but still a similar population and a lot of those kids come from backgrounds where they would be the first to go to college or their parents are new to the country or their parents are kind of stuck in the system caused by institutional racism and so with writing the grants for that I have to synthesize the research on why those racial and economic situations impact their educational well-being and their outcomes as well as talking about how the services we provide with having older students serve as mentors for younger students or having connections to resources that Yale and local colleges provide is important to making sure that they have ladders and next steps to look at for them to go on to their work as college students and as people in careers, hopefully also in social services. Can you quickly mention what LEAP stands for? Yes, of course. LEAP stands for Leadership, Education, and Athletics and Partnership Incorporated. Thank you. But yes, like if you are in the the New Haven area, definitely check out LEAP. It sounds like a fantastic program Mm -hmm. um, and something that is doing a vital service for the community. And one thing that popped up in my mind when you were talking is, Mm -hmm. I guess, having that dual identity of both a New Haven, but also a Yale student. Can you talk more about those identities? Mm -hmm. For me, being a student from the area was weird because I knew of how Yale feels separate from the rest of the greater New Haven area. In my own life, I didn't know that I was able to come to Yale's campus and take tours or to talk with current students. In my head, I didn't even imagine that current students included people who were from like a 10 mile radius. I assumed all the students came from other states and other countries and from private high school backgrounds. And for myself, I came from a full public school background. I didn't realize I'd ever even go to a private school, but this is my first experience with that. And so I thought it was, it was unique to be able to 
be near home and know the people that I had at home and reflect with them about their experiences at their colleges that weren't mm-hmm. nearby, but also reflect on the fact that we like none of us knew what Yale was like. Like I'm, I, when I get to meet up with people from, that I used to go to high school with, if I see them, I like have to explain to them all the things about Yale's culture and what they do because it's still mysterious to everyone else that's in the area. And for me growing up, I would go to the Yale New Haven Hospital for my checkups, but I would never go beyond where the medical school area was because I didn't even know where the rest of the campus was within the city. Like I, I that my city was on the other side of the greater New Haven region. So I just didn't realize that. So that might be on my family's level, mm-hmm. like ignorance on what Yale was in the first place. But I also think that says something about outreach and how well they made sure that younger kids or kids that were in high school were getting the opportunities co- to connect with that university. Mm-hmm. Okay. Earlier, you kind of mentioned that you more or less had to teach yourself the college application process and can you talk more about that whole process how it was for you yeah if I can remember correctly a lot of what I had to do was kind of understand on the financial side I had to do a lot of learning with the FAFSA and the like college boards financial application thing was to make sure that I was getting financial aid in the first place that was weirdly the priority I had at the time of doing applications because I didn't want to end up getting into any place. And then they were like, sorry, you can't afford this. <laughs> and so I did that first. And then I learned a lot about the the common application. So I did a lot of, I think I was so nervous about applying to colleges that I did a lot of over reading of like all the instructions that all these mm-hmm. things had. So I would like look at every single one of the admissions pages for these schools I was interested in to make sure I had all the requirements right. I made sure I sent information to like my teachers and so they knew like this is the school this is why I'm interested in the school if you're going to write a letter for me this is why I'm interested or why I feel like I'd be good for like I try to talk with them about it Mm -hmm. in some way and I had good teachers that also were like before you go tell me why is it this place so that was a good back and forth that I had with a lot of teachers writing letters Um, that helped me figure out that section of the application Everything else, like the essay, I was lucky enough to have teachers and a couple friends who would look over what I'd write and make sure that there weren't any grammatical errors, but also just that I sounded like myself and that I wasn't sending in an application that I thought would fit these Mm -hmm. schools, but rather an application that fit me and that best presented myself to these schools. So it took a lot of relying on the community around me, even if all of us were new to the idea of anyone getting into an Ivy League school. Did you have any fears when you were applying to college? Yeah, I had a lot in terms of thinking about how good I was as a student and just as a person, like not so much on like a a moral level of how I was a person, but like how valued I was. I think I kept connecting my own value to the schools that I got into, which was a very unhealthy thing to start off the college application process with, because it it led me to this mindset of like, well, now I know that these really, really good schools Mm -hmm. exist. And now I'm applying to them. And if I don't apply to them, then I'm not as like good at academics or I'm not like as smart as I was hoping to be, or I'm not like reaching for the goals that I kind of have been setting for myself and that my mom has been hoping for. And so I got worried about that in a way that wasn't necessary. And in a way that I was lucky enough to have my mom tell me like, this is already a Mm -hmm. good thing. Like this is already more than we've ever had before. And so it took a lot of just reminding myself of that to take away this idea that the college I got into equaled the value of me as a person or the value of my own intelligence. That's so true because the target demographic for the podcast, they can kind of 
attach their value, their self-worth to which school they get into. But I think it's mm-hmm. easy to lose perspective on how for so many communities, even graduating high school is like a huge mm-hmm. accomplishment, you know? So I even had to put myself in check when I was applying to school. For instance, University of Pennsylvania was my backup. I was like, why am I <laughs> complaining? Like, I am going to go to a great school no matter what. But yeah. um, do you have any rituals or anything like routines that you'd like to share that you think would be helpful? Um, I think one thing is to check in with yourself, mm-hmm. particularly if you're feeling very stressed about you know, your chances of getting into a place and you're like crunching the numbers of scores and comparing resumes to what you maybe see online or what you hear from other people. Like the process causes you to compare way more than you ever need to do. And they're looking at your application first as its own thing. At some point, they put you in this pool of people and comparisons may happen and whatnot, but they're looking at your application first as an individual person and entity and body of work and everything. So just do your best to put the best of you in that one application, because the more you think about all the ways that you compare to everyone else is the more you write an application like everyone else. Um, were you a Froco? Uh, I was in TV, okay. Timothy I, I Black College. So. What you're saying right now is very Froco-like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Froco is Yale slang for freshman counselor. I don't know. I I don't 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 ask me why, but that's just what we call them. We call them Froco. <laughs> yeah. I was a Froco in Davenport. Um. So yeah, it just sounded very very Froco-like. Um, yeah. What are your some of your passions? Um, I think they range a lot. And as someone who just graduated from college, which is for any of the listeners, you know, your passions will keep changing. Like after mm-hmm. college, definitely don't think like you've peaked at any point. Hopefully you have it. I hope I have it. But a lot of my passions are around. I've started writing a lot. I'm interested in children's book writing, which is something that I've been doing and something that I studied while I was an education studies scholar at Yale. I studied multiculturalism in children's books. So Looking at those topics and the ideas of representation, particularly in children's media, is a big deal for me. I'm also very passionate about doing things that connect services within cities. So while I'm a grant writer and don't work specifically with programming at LEAP, I still have tried to reach out to other nonprofits in the area or tell the programming members of LEAP about different community organizations that we could work with that would probably want to serve the same kids that we have. So something like there's a new partnership that we're doing for the summer with a center at Yale, and they're going to be doing a few weeks with our kids where they are taking them to the Beinecke Library to look at documents from the Harlem Renaissance and learning about New Haven's Black and Latinx history, and then taking a trip to Harlem during the summer. And that kind of thing and helping in at least introducing or building that partnership are types of things I'd want to do kind of as I grow up and as I'm still growing up, in my life in terms of just integrating what cities and communities are able to offer to especially their young people but also to families who are from underprivileged or underrepresented backgrounds. Okay, wow. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually a pre K teacher. Yeah. Oh, wow. When you when you brought up children's books, like I was like, Oh wow, that's so cool. Um do you do you <laughs> do the writing and illustrations? I wish. I only do the writing. I am slowly going to try to learn to draw, but I think I'm still prioritizing developing the skill as a writer. 
because I think as I'm doing the children's books, I also want to learn how to write for different mm. mediums like young adult novels and comic books and graphic novels has always been a big interest of mine. And I'm very lucky to have good friends who are good illustrators that I can hopefully work with yeah. in the future. So right now I'm leaning into the writing side. Yes, that's, that's awesome. So do you, do you have any quotes or mm. phrases that you live by? Hmm. That's a good question. One person whose words I think I could go to when I'm feeling very low about kind of, I mean, for the college application process, but even separately about when I'm feeling low about myself, very self-critical is Muhammad Mm -hmm. Ali. Um, Mostly because if you hear audio of him speaking and doing interviews, it's just him telling you how amazing he is. And I think that's something, especially as a black person, to kind of revel in and be very excited about because so often you are told that you are not great or you are given the impression from other people that you're not great. So to kind of have those mantras of like, I am great, I am beautiful, like he just says those things out loud, like how can you not love Mm -hmm. me? Those are things that are good to think about for yourself in those times when you're most harsh towards your own work or towards your own endeavors. So a lot of his words are great to me. Um, and I also, I think I, I rely a lot on comic books and superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of like the mantras that come from them, like Spider-Man, I've always loved the with great power must come great responsibility. And I think for me coming from my background um, and my parents not having the educational opportunities that they had, but me being put in the position of having a supportive school system and going to Yale, I'm increasingly having more power in the world mm-hmm. in some way. You made me think of, I don't know who said it or what, but there's a quote that someone told me that my education is not my own, right? My duty in a lot of ways to give back and mm-hmm. to hopefully just bring people up as I, as I come up. Yeah. I think, I think that was Toni Morrison. Okay. I think I do mm-hmm. know, like, I, I feel like you're referencing a person. I know she definitely, there's like a quote from her that's been popular recently about like you people, when, you, when you're going to your schools and you're getting your mm-hmm. jobs, like there are people who are from the places you're from who yeah. need that too. So bring them with you. Okay, yeah. yeah, like it, that, that sounds about right. But that quote, for some reason, always sticks with me. So mm-hmm. what is your favorite song right now? Nice for What oh, by Drake. Nice. That was really quick. Uh, your favorite movie? <laughs> oh, uh, Moonlight. Nice. That's a, I love that movie. Um, favorite book? Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, The Light of the World by Elizabeth Alexander. Okay. Favorite TV show? Oh, uh, Static Shock. And favorite junk food? Ooh, uh, Ruffles, Cheddar, and Sour Cream Chips. Cheddar and Sour Cream? Okay. Yeah. I, Have I, you I not had I think them? I've had that. I don't know. Good. Okay, Very I'll, good. I'll check them out. <laughs> um, well, Abdul, thank you again for joining me on this week's episode of Notes from the Ivy League. It's been really great to hear from you. Yeah. And for everyone listening, as always, I'll put the show notes on my blog and on social media sites. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.